Our reading is from Luke's Gospel, and it's Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. 
and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We just pray now for um, Ben as he comes to speak to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your extravagant love for each one of us. Please anoint Ben now with your Holy Spirit to explain your word to us this evening. And by your Holy Spirit, help us to understand the greatness of your love and change us as a result. Help us to love you more and serve you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much, um, Anna. Now, there are, um, there are often two kinds of people in this world, aren't there? So there are those who do it the right way, which is on the right-hand side, and those who do it the wrong way. Uh, there are those who like to put bookmarks in or, or those who fold the pages. Some, I think that's a, a cardinal sin, I think, for some people folding a book, let alone writing in one. Um, uh, there's those who are manual and, and automatic or car and go-kart or whatever it might be. Um, there is uh, those who like to be cultural and those who uh, use uh, chopsticks. Um, so I'm the, sorry, there you go, it's picking <laughs> um, There uh, are those who do things properly with a computer and those who just pull it out, uh, the USB uh, straight on. Uh, for, mo- for me, most of those are on the right-hand side. I don't know if that's uh, saying something about, about me. Um, but there are two types of people, lost and found. Lost and found. Uh, and the, the parable before us today is perhaps one of the, the most famous parables uh, that are told. Uh, that perhaps with the, the Good Samaritan. But in our title, in our Bibles, it says the parable of the lost son. But that doesn't really do justice. Because really, this story is not so much uh, about the parable of a lost son. It's the tale of the lost sons. It's not one, it's two. Lost and found. But as we begin our story tonight, it's just worth remembering where we've come from and remembering what Stephen led us in last Sunday evening. But particularly, who is listening to this parable? So verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners gathered round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teach the law muttered, well, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them. See, there are two groups of people in this story that, that, who are listening in. There's the, the tax collectors and the sinners, and there's the, the teach the law and the Pharisees. Uh, and in our, uh, our story, we're not going to see the, the tale of a, a good son and a bad son. Rather, we're going to see two sons who are both lost, but perhaps just in different ways. And so to begin with, we're going to just walk through this story again. So if you've got a Bible, it's page 1049 of the church Bibles and the one that's right in front of you. 
And naturally, our focus does start with the younger son. I mean, he is so fed up with life in his father's house. He thinks that actually, or he knows that life will be better without his father. So he says, verse 12, Father, give me my share of the estate. He's saying, look, actually, I, I don't want anything to do with you. You're just holding me back. In fact, life would be better, frankly, when, when you're dead. I'd rather have your things than, than I'd have you. So I'm going to treat you now as I will treat you when you do die. I have cut all ties, nothing to do with you. It's not really the, the nicest thing a son could say, is it? In fact, it's pretty horrible. And so naturally, verse 12, it says, the father drove him away with many beatings. Well, it, it does in the uh, IBV, the International Ben version. No, but in God's word, is that what your verse 12 says? He divides his property between them. It's far more shocking. You'd expect, wouldn't you, that this, this younger son who's shown such disrespect, such disdain, that he would drive him away, but he, he does something more shocking. He actually agrees to his request. You see, the father so loves his son that he's prepared to be rejected by him. And that decision was a costly one. I mean, his money wasn't in in the bank and in stocks and shares. He didn't kind of get out his phone and just remove a few of his uh, assets he had. He had to sell lands. Land that he would have worked his whole life on. Land he'd cared for. He may even have to lay off some of his other workers who he loved. Sharing his estate, which would have been, uh, the younger son would have been given roughly a third, was not an easy task. But he did it. Such was the love of the father. And then the younger son goes off for life and life in its full. And he does have a good time for a while. But then his new lifestyle shows itself for what it really is. Empty. And because it's empty, it quickly disappears. So this happy man is left with perhaps one of the most degrading jobs a Jew could ever do. Feeding pigs. But in a, in a, a rare moment of clarity, he thinks to himself, I know, my father is a, a good man. I mean, he even, he even gave me my request. He's a good man. I, I know that, that I can never be his son. But he's a good man, and maybe, maybe he'll let me be one of his workers, a tradesman. Because at least they're well fed and paid. They have a, a roof over their head. They're safe and secure. And so he, he rehearses this line in his head, doesn't he, over and over again. Uh, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to call your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
Uh, you can imagine it going on and on. His head saying, Father, uh, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to call to your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Uh, and so verse 20, he got up and went. Now, at this point, that the camera sort of shifts away from the younger son and it goes to the father. And now in the story, I guess, again, in the, the International Ben version, what, what we'd expect would be the father doing whatever he can to lessen the pain. And so that might have been thinking, well, the, the son has basically said to me, I'm dead. He, he never intends to see me ever again. So all I can do is lessen that pain. So I'm going to remove those photos from the mantelpiece. I'm going to scrub his name out from whatever is there just so that it makes it easier for me to live today. That's what I'd expect him to be doing. But that's not what he's doing. It's not what he's doing. Again, verse 20. The father is watching, waiting, ready. Every day he's looking out. He's longing. He's every day holding that pain of rejection because the pain or the joy rather and the love he has for his son is greater. And then, then, then one day he sees his boy. He sees his boy and, and he doesn't care what people think of him. And Usain Bolt is not going to beat him to his boy. And he goes and he, he embraces him. And his son mutters something uh, saying, oh, father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. But he's not listening. He shouts and says, look, bring robes. Uh, bring sandals, bring the ring. My son is back. And of course, when he says bring the best robe, he doesn't mean, now pop to John Lewis, go to the nice bit of John Lewis, yeah, and bring the best robe you can find. He's saying, bring my robe. That's the best one. Bring my ring. Bring my sandals. But bring my garments and place them upon my boy. We're in no doubt what the father thinks of the son. And we're in no doubt that he restores him to the family. He doesn't act with suspicion thinking, what's this snake of a younger son going to do now? He left once, he's going to leave again. No, he loves him and brings him in and holds a massive party and all is well in the household. And like, that is that the parable of the lost son. And that's often where sometimes in our children's Bible, the story ends. But that's not where Jesus ends. Verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? And they say, your, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, had, has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. Uh, there's a, a party happening that's going on inside. 
there's joy and celebration and the older son is outside. He wants nothing to do with it. And now it's his turn to shame his father. He makes his father come out to him and speak to him. And do you hear the words he said? Verse 29. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, not my brother, when this son of yours who has squandered your property of prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. All those words, look, your son. This older son is so, so angry. And he's angry, not primarily his brother, although he certainly is. He's angry still at his father for letting his son come back. This boy, he says, has done nothing to merit your love. And you throw a party, whereas I've been the good one. I've done what you've asked, and you've given me nothing. That's not fair. And then Jesus ends the story. His his father goes, look, my son... Son was lost and he's found again. Of course I'm going to throw a party. And the story ends. Younger son in. Older son out. Younger son found. Older son lost. At this point, we we don't know what the next step is. It's almost as if Jesus is inviting the people listening to the story to embody the story themselves, to take on that conclusion. He's always saying, look... You know who you are in this story. You know that there are the, the, the good guys and the bad guys. There are the, the bad tax collectors and the good Pharisees. And we know that the bad guys are in the party because they've come to the Father. Whereas you, the good guys, what are you going to do? So why then is Jesus telling us this parable? Well, I think it tells us three things at the very heart of the good news of Jesus. Here's the first one. Firstly, it shows us what God is really like. Uh, The father in this story is meant to give us a glimpse of our heavenly father. And it completely shatters what we might think. Because often, sometimes, I or certainly our culture can think that God is a bit like an intergalactic policeman. He's watching and waiting to spot your mistake. Or perhaps even more positively, maybe it's not the policeman in the sky who's watching our mistake. Maybe he is like the work boss. So when I do good things, then he's really happy with me. But when I do things maybe not so well, well, he's displeased, discompassionate. But the message that Jesus is firing at us tonight is that God is not someone who makes demands of you. He does not require anything of you except to accept the embrace of the Father who runs to you. 
Because that's what he does. Verse 20, he goes to the younger son. Verse 28, he goes to the older son. He doesn't have favorites. He goes to both. The father's love means he runs to people. And when he gets there, he doesn't run and and stop and wait. Uh, Go on. Uh, What are you going to say? I'm waiting. He doesn't say, are you going to apologize? No, he just runs and throws his arms around him and welcomes him in. The younger son's apology comes because the father loves first. Which is why John would write a lot, we love because we have first been loved. Now, is that your view of God this evening? Or perhaps maybe a more telling question. If we were to ask our friends and family who don't know Jesus, what would they see, say our view of God is? What does our view of God show in the way that we live our life? Do our lives display the beauty of the gospel? Of the Lord who runs to all people. The Father, in his great love, comes to us. This first thing we see is that firstly it shows us a little bit of what God is really like. But then secondly, it also shows us what sin is really like. What sin is like. Uh, today, when we hear that word sin, it, it conjures up all sorts of different things, doesn't it? Um, it, it can involve um, eating an extra slice of chocolate cake um, to doing stuff that's really sort of bad in our society. But this parable 